welcome to Creativity and Chaos, a 1L2N podcast. I am Amy, and we are joined by some disaster of people today. Missy? Uh, make it stop. Mike? My sciaticas. Tommy? See, I'm officially diagnosed as accident prone. And our disastrous of guests, Liam. Yo. We are a family of disasters going through the story writing process, and we're bringing you along for the ride. Hello, everyone. How's everyone doing this week? How are you? Nervous from a new job? <laughs> There's a lot of facial expressions there. <laughs> facial expressions for me? Oh, yeah. There was tons of facial expressions. There's like, how am I doing? Like, you just went through it all. <laughs> she just had, like, an existential crisis thinking about her life. <laughs> like, like, oh, guy. <laughs> In terms of doing. <laughs> it's not really the job I was worrying about. I was talking to Mike earlier. I just feel like I'm going to be a burden to everyone because I don't have a vehicle currently. So I have to get a lot of rides. And I'm just, I am f- feeling real awful about burdening people. So milkshakes on Amy every day. If it if it makes you feel any better, you're already a burden to everybody. So oh, not much has yeah, changed. Just feel awful now as opposed to waiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just prepare yourself. I, I think this is great advice, actually. I actually am not feeling well. I think, Mike, you got it. You can take over the podcast Hello, and welcome to the 1L2N podcast. Jazz hands. My name is Amy, and I'm joined... Oh, yeah. okay. Sorry. You can go ahead. <laughs> How's everyone else doing this week? Oh, wow. And Mike, I don't care how you're doing. I, you know what, you're Mike? stupid and you smell funny. I care how you're doing. How are you doing? I am an old man officially. Went to the doctor for my back problems and they took x-rays and stuff. And they say that I have uh, rheumatoid arthritis in my lower back, which is caused by like inflammation, I guess. And I also have pinched sciatic nerve and it was on one side, but now it's on both sides of my legs. So walking is kind of funny. I'm kind of limping a little bit in the morning. And it was really bad this week, but I've taken some muscle relaxers and ibuprofen and, you know, aspirin and stuff like that. And that combination seems to keep it a little bit at bay. I'm doing a lot better today, so hopefully it will continue going. I've been wearing a back brace. But yeah, I just, you know, officially an old man now. Soon, I get to yell at kids to get off my lawn. No, I think you can start now. Can I? You've been yelling at children since you were a child. (laughs) Oh, kids, this is great. (laughs) I can't wait. The real question is, is your pockets full of Werther's yet? Not yet, but that is a good thing to aspire to. Or cough drops. That's another. Are you, are you, are you going to be an original Werther's man? Or are you going to be like. No, and you know what? My, my wallet is also very tiny. So I guess I'm not an official old man yet. Because old man wallets have to, like when they're folded together, they got to be about like three inches thick. You're an old man (laughs) in transition. You have time to get this together. That's true. Don't give up on yourself before it started. I gave up on myself a long time ago. <laughs> Don't do that. But no, like, yeah. If it makes you feel better, we gave up on you a long time ago, too. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> I am well aware. That's, that's pretty much the family motto is give up on yourself until disowned. Uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> disappointed until disowned. Then why aren't all of us disowned by our parents yet? Oh, we are. It's just very silently. Yeah, it's, it's usually one at a time. Oh, okay. Like, we only get disowned individually yeah. and then and then somebody else messes up and then you're back in the group while they're just yeah yeah that's how this works <laughs> so i submitted the first draft of budgets for my two hotels this week felt really good of course we've since made changes <laughs> but 
We have uh, budget presentations to our corporate office all morning. I will be doing budget meetings, but tomorrow morning's the big presentations. Very different, very different than my last company. How long did that take you? Uh, how long did it take me to to do write up the draft of the budget for your oh, two hotels? I was heavily, heavily involved in my primary hotel, so about two weeks. And then my secondary hotel, I didn't have much. I wasn't totally involved in that one. So that one I only worked on over the last week or so. I love budgeting because I'm a nerd. It's so much fun. Thankfully, it's something I enjoy doing, which That's makes good. it easier to <laughs> yeah. pull the like 16 hour days. I am the opposite of enjoying budgeting. I just like to get the money and make Some sure it goes for me. <laughs> yeah. You like money, please. Yeah, and I'm the one that you would have to go to to get the money. Oh no! <laughs> I am the gatekeeper. She's gonna make sure you have a lined out budget. She's like, if you don't use Excel and have it budgeted by me and color coordinated, yeah, color coordinated. That's important yeah. too. It's very important. <laughs> very important. Very if it's not color coordinated, we can't meet. <laughs> I like Excel. Oh, we know. Oh, we oh, know. We know. I'm letting you, the you, audience know. <laughs> I think at this point they probably know too. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that probably is true. I hiked Hanging Rock this week. That was pretty fun. I have a big old fear of uh, heights, but I'm like, screw it. I don't care. I'm going to do some little silly. I was very safe with it. Let's see if, oh, it's compressing a file. I'm going to let you guys see it. But basically, Hanging Rock is exactly what it is. There's a rock hanging off uh, the very edge, and you can like sit and look below you, and there it's like a 300-foot drop. It's a little spooky. And that's what I did. I hung my feet right over the rock, and I looked straight down. I was like, I mean, it definitely it still gets me. I'm like, I'm a little spooked. But it was a lot of fun to hike. It wasn't that hard of a hike. It was like three miles, or at least the hike I did. And I was, I was hiking with my friend, and they wanted to stop. They're like, my legs are jelly. And I'm like, I could keep going. I got that hiking high right now. I could go for like another 10 miles for sure. Uh, I love hiking. So much fun. Hiking, yes. That, that picture, no. <laughs> it, was, it, was, uh, it was really pretty out, too. And Hanging Rock, you can see Winston from Hanging Rock. So it was, it was a completely clear blue, blue sky day. Ah, oh, it was so pretty. Yeah, I, I've been there once, and we went up there. It was pretty fun. I remember it being Super a nice fun. trail. It's pretty steep at one point, I believe. Yeah, I guess. And, and yeah, but other than that, it's yeah, it's a that that picture makes it look a little bit more ridiculous, but it's it's a pretty cool area. Yeah, it is. Well, definitely... good, good for you for facing your fear and also not jumping. Oh yeah, I mean that was tempted too. It's like, what if I just was like, we. Hopefully the, the call of the void was strong. <laughs> is, it, is that what it's called? Yeah, there, when you like get a... that internal feeling of, of jumping or, or diving into something that's either high or dangerous. Oh. It's also... Call the void. It's oh. called the void, but it's also the intrus intrusive thoughts. So a lot of times... <laughs> I saw a video of a guy who was like on top of a tower, and he had his phone, and he had another phone, and he worked or he had something and he recorded it falling and he goes well i guess the intrusive thoughts won today <laughs> and there's a lot of people just doing dumb things and be like yep the intrusive thoughts won they they won yeah call yeah. of the void is a type of intrusive thought it's like a whole category oh oh okay I, there like, was always a 
uh, touch the touch the burning stove. Just yeah, do it. Yeah. Just touch the stove. I have that. See that yeah. that's the one that gets me the most. I don't really have the phone. I have to touch the burning stove. I'm like, what if I? Because it changes colors. Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, it's like a big butt. It's glowing. <laughs> Maybe I'm it like, won't hurt. What if I put my entire palm on it? <laughs> yeah. I do it every time. I'm so stupid. Just give it a little kiss. <laughs> the whole the whole psychology of it is you're supposed to either learn what you should be afraid of and then avoid those things or you fail to learn the first time but then you learn from that mistake and then avoid these things so tommy you're screwed up in the head oh oh for sure i mean i'm the i'm the youngest youngest there we go see i'm screwed up um i'm the youngest out of all of you and on top of that i was i was born from the the people who were oldest at the time. So uh, there was a lot more that went wrong, I think, is my game theory. I a guess lot he forgets Hey, Liam, Liam, I'm sorry. I think, uh, aren't you no, the no, no, youngest no, no, here? No, 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 no. I'm the youngest born from our parents, is what I was saying. And they were the oldest at the time oh. of having me. Therefore, a lot went wrong with me when I was born. The parents are always going to be the oldest of the yeah. parents and children. <laughs> that part of your argument about. does not quite I'm work. Saying, I'm trying to say, I'm trying to say, I kind of get it though. I get it. They were old. They when were in they their forties when they had me. That's a little too old. So haven't been officially diagnosed. Wow. But you just called your mother old. That's yeah. fine. They know it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a coworker whose first family, his kids are in their early to mid twenties, and he now has little toddlers toddling about. So they're like more than twenty years apart. So you can have you can have kids. I know a great way to solve this. Just um, don't have kids. Unless that's the solution to a lot of things. No, don't have them. Even if you want, don't have them. This conversation. This is a is, disaster of a conversation. Yeah, I knew both. Of you were about to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to say it, Mike? <laughs> that was really good, Eva. You 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 stole it immediately from him. No, I tried to say it earlier, and then Missy said her thing, and I was going to come back with it. So whatever. Whatever. Let's talk about disaster movies. <laughs> so pissed. <laughs> so disaster movies are super interesting because, in my opinion, they're not always great. Like, none of them are really ever great. They're all kind of a little bit of a disaster. But I want to I wanna delve into what makes disaster movies so appealing. What is a disaster movie? Like, what do we quantify as a disaster movie? And, uh, yeah, what are our thoughts on it? And I also want to talk about does the disaster movie genre translate well into like books, for instance. But we can talk about that later. First, let's who's got a good definition? Yeah, I think I think the number one thing we should try and define a disaster movie because there's several movies that Amy and I were talking about before the podcast that could be considered disaster movies depending upon your look at it. And I think that we should try and keep a wide idea for what a disaster movie could be. I think the very first one is a natural disaster yeah. movie. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. that is a specific type of disaster. It's a natural disaster, right? But then there's also movies that could be considered like man-made disaster movies. And that could be something like a virus. Take movies like Outbreak or Contagion or something like that. That's, that's also kind disaster of, movie. Ex- there, yeah, perfect. But then Amy brought up a great point, and now I'm like, ooh, that might actually be a disaster movie, is something like 28 Days Later. It's a zombie movie, but it's also kind of a disaster movie, if we're thinking about it in the broadest terms of disaster. Especially because if you think about a biological 
disaster movie. A lot of times zombie apocalypses start because of a biological disaster that some scientists cook up. Yes. Cooked up. Or, so are we or saying just like a virus that was newly exposed because of something? Yeah. So I think if we're uh, also, I opened up or I created a disaster movie notes under the podcast uh, thing. If anybody wants to add um, stuff to it. I was literally writing stuff right now. Okay. Perfect. I mean, I literally just put down disaster movie notes and it's blank. So then we've got natural disaster. We have biological disaster. What about your industrial disaster? Like, would something like Titanic qualify as a disaster movie? Ooh. Yeah, there you go. Oh, like, what about um, Deepwater Horizon? Yeah, exactly. Is that a disaster? Okay. All right. So industrial. I don't consider war movies disaster movies, but an alien invasion? I think there's a caveat there. If the invasion is the focus of the film, no. But if the invasion or contact somehow with aliens leads to some kind of horrible disaster happening then yes so like war of the worlds yeah like i was gonna say that from or the like perspective of the aliens that yeah. would have been a disaster movie because they wind up getting infected with our diseases but i don't, I, I would categorize war of the worlds as a disaster movie because of the devastation that it wreaked on the earth alone. Like that one scene where the whole like center of the city was turning, that freaked me out. Did not like it. I didn't like the whole movie for other reasons. But the idea that there was stuff already here for who knows how long and it ruined these cities because it was coming up out of these cities and then it caused all of this destruction and disaster. I would kind of categorize War of the Worlds as a disaster movie, even though it is an alien invasion movie. Well, that's the thing. Think about, I mean, the king of bad disaster movies is the director Roland Emmerich and he directed Independence Day, I'm almost positive. And that has a solid, you know, 10 minute sequence of stuff getting blown up <laughs> and, you know, this is flames true. and stuff. It's, it's a very disaster stylized, but I, I wouldn't consider it a, I would a, maybe a sub genre of a bigger disaster movie, but I don't know what that would be. Would it be in generally so, alien invasions are more along the war side of, yeah. of genre. It's, it's not so much a, so yeah, like, disaster happens, but the the war is more the focus of it. The fight for survival okay. against a intelligent threat. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Let's put down war. I guess is a big thing because I can't. I'm sure there's another war movie that I can't really think of right now that's just focused on the disaster aspect of it. Is there, uh, are there any movies that like, deal strictly with like nuclear fallout? So I guess like um, the TV show, The 100, that would be kind of a disaster show. True. I guess I would ca categorize that as post-apocalyptic. Yeah, because post-apocalyptic. Where the disaster just, has already happened. That's like that's like the Ooh. sequel to disaster. That's what it is. This yeah, disaster really has already happened. This is now the result, the aftermath of the disaster instead of experiencing the disaster itself. So are movies like Godzilla considered war movies? That's gonna say is like that is a I, godzilla 101 is destroy all the things monster movies should definitely be a category i think post-apocalyptic is definitely the aftermath i think if you're focusing on a disaster it has to be the actual yeah. thing happening and not something where you're looking past it so like mad max movies are not a disaster movie right they're a, yeah. a post-apocalyptic it's rebuilding society after yeah. the disasters happen. what about i mean when you have like an apocalyptic movie, 
like, I think, is it 2012? Where it was like, oh yeah, the end of the world is going to happen. That's not just storms. It's like, it is natural, but is there a difference or am I just crazy with like apocalyptic versus just a natural, like a singular natural disaster happening where it's like all world consuming, like, or if it's just like. Degrees of intensity, like whether you have a single volcano exploding or like a super volcano exploding, right? Single volcano exploding or erupting is still a disaster movie because you're focusing on the devastation of, of what's happening. But like a super volcano is an apocalyptic disaster movie because it's going to just destroy everything. Yeah, or, or, you know, the classic, a meteor or an asteroid, I guess, would be the bigger one, right? That's yeah. barreling towards Earth. And, you know, there's disaster movies where it hits and everything gets destroyed. Now, that's that's interesting. Is it considered a disaster movie if there's only a threat and not an actual follow through? I, I personally like wouldn't consider it. Well, didn't Armageddon have like breakaway pieces that yeah. destroyed stuff? And knowing oh. Michael Bay, it had. Yeah. Yeah. Armageddon had a lot of devastation so around the world from little small okay. chunks breaking off that yeah. still destroyed cities and whatnot. But yeah, it's I'd, still I'd call that even the threat of a disaster like deep impact i never actually saw that one but isn't that kind of dealing with the same thing like a an asteroid or something coming towards earth so i yes it is an asteroid coming towards earth as a quick side note it is interesting that in the 90s there was a lot of movies that were kind of paired together uh yes and it was a lot of disaster movies so like deep impact and armageddon came out like right around the same time within the same year they came out and then you have stuff like Twister and Tornado, mm. was it? What was that? Yeah. And then Dante's Peak and Volcano. Yeah. And it's just, there's always seems to be like a cluster of two disaster movies right next to each other. I'm trying to capitalize off of oh, each yeah. other. So Yeah, Deep, Deep Impact, which I did watch recently, is a disaster movie, definitely. It, it deals with a, you know, world-ending event possibility. So I, I don't want to spoil it because I think... What we've what we're trying to do is create a list here and get get some big tropes and various things that always fall into disaster movies. And then once we create all this list, at the end of it, we'll each go watch a disaster movie that we haven't seen. And next week, we can report back all the cool stuff that was in that movie, all the terrible stuff that was in that movie. We'll give a little review. It's probably going to be more terrible than cool. And then we will we'll see how many tropes that a disaster movie actually hits. But sorry, let's get back to the defining. I'm sorry. Well, okay. So we have like our categories. Tommy, I cut you off. What were you going to say? <laughs> I was going to ask, because I'm looking at a uh, uh, top 100 best disaster films list from IMDb. And this one doesn't feel like a disaster move to me. And if it is, it's disaster light. Maximum overdrive. Because that's feeling more like... <laughs> the best disaster movie there is. That's feeling more horror than... Is, it, is that the one with the, the trucks that yes. are taking yes. over? Yes, it is. Yes. Because the aliens, I think. <laughs> like, no, it's a comet. It's a comet that, that flies by Earth and it causes all of like the electronics on Earth to go weird. And so then like a bunch of tractor trailers become like dominant and like all of these machines, whether it's like a toaster or a lawnmower, they start killing oh. things like killing humans and animals and everything. But there's specifically a group of tractor trailers and the main one is like a toy truck and it's got a big goblin head, like yeah, the green lantern looking goblin on the front. And it's like going after all of the humans and like trying to round them up. Emilio Estevez. Majority of the movie. Yep. The 
it is not aged well. But the majority of the movie is like the, the tractor trailers just circling this gas station continuously. There's the, some. It's, it's it's written and directed by none other than Stephen King. But it is it is hot yeah. garbage. <laughs> that that being said, I do remember a few shots of like the outside of town. Just the trucks were blowing stuff up. So I don't. I don't. A lot I of would these... maybe put that as like a subgenre of the monster. Yeah, yeah. subgenre. Yeah. Sub sub. Sub-sub. Yeah, so we got a lot of a lot of subgenres going on. Yeah, I don't know. It, I get it, it, that's that's the, the hard part about a disaster movie is what do you consider a disaster in general? So it has to be. Are mm. we defining a disaster movie as like it's taking place, like the majority of the disasters taking place as like while we're watching it, build or, up and then the happening, they happening? Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. I would say yeah. you have to see the disaster in the movie for it to be a proper disaster. Even movie, if it right? happens at the very, very end, like you still have to. What yeah. What about something like I Am Legend then? Because it flashbacks multiple times, but the majority of the movie is taking place after the fact. I would say that's post-apocalyptic. I, yeah. yeah. I think. I think it's the anticipation of the deva- the disaster right, and yeah. how they're going to escape yeah. from it that is really what makes a disaster movie a classic, you know. Yeah. Whereas I feel like if you've already had the bad thing happen, you're like, okay, well, where can it go from here? It's and a so, buildup of anxiety and yeah, yeah, trying to if it's already happened, then it's a totally different kind of stress, but it doesn't have that same build. Yeah, I think in. For that sort of case alone, the idea of the natural disaster movies are more of what I consider to be yeah, yeah truer the classic yeah. disaster movies. Yeah. So is this natural or monster? Sharknado. No, that's natural. I, well, it's just I the tornado like with teeth. I don't understand. Wait, wait. There's a whole nother category we've missed, and those are Ooh. spoof. Disasters where um, I feel Sharknado like Sharknado could really happen. Okay, okay. I feel well, like it's so, making fun of yeah the concept. We of could disasters. we could put that in like over the top genre, something like yeah. uh, Maximum Overdrive, yeah, that's, or yeah. Sharknado, where it's it's Ooh. it doesn't make any uh, sense, yeah. but for some reason we still want to watch it. They have six of those out, don't they? Sharknados. They got a lot. Way too many. Didn't the scary movie franchise make a disaster <laughs> movie? Yeah. I think it's called disaster yes. movie. Yeah, I yeah. think I think you're yeah. right. And, and I have not seen it. That would be that would be a an entry uh, over the that top. Category. Yeah, I'm gonna put that down. So for for right now, I mean, and we can include all of them, but for right now, let's talk about natural disaster movies. In order for you to have a natural disaster movie, like, what are some key elements that really hype it up as a natural disaster? Well, let's think about like. Sorry, subcategories for natural disaster. (laughs) (laughs) Right? You'd have to have your tornado. Okay, wait, wait. Uh, Weather related. Um, Oh, yeah, because there could be weather related. Geological related. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or astrophysical related. This is why we got Missy here. Glad Missy's (laughs) here. There you go. Weather, geological, astrophysical anything else that we could probably put in there like metaphysical or um i you know we could maybe this probably would be more with weather but i would say climate change type movies but that's put probably weather and weather climate too. Let, and let's geological. get rid of weather and just put climate well no okay, they're two different things yeah. weather slash climate i feel like are in the same category together even though they're two different things okay so weather and climate yeah 
So for these, you also you always have to have like some event that is either about to happen or like it's kind of been anticipated or it's an event that's like hypothetical and all of a sudden it's happening and you're like, oh crap, they they foretold of this happening, but we never knew it was going to arrive, you know? I, I think that for almost every disaster movie, one solid trope that you can count on is a scientist being ignored in some capacity. And it's always going to be somebody that's like trying to warn everybody that this thing is going to happen. And then for some reason, it never does. I think there's two sides to that. There's either people saying you're crazy, you're a doomsday person, you have fake science, whatever. But then there's the other side when you've got the politics involved and they're saying you don't understand what it's like to be in XYZ position of the government. I have to think about the economy. I have to think about people. Yeah, I that's what I was, can't go out there spouting your, yeah. your I was going to say, I feel like there's always in these movies, the president has to make a hard decision. Just the U.S. president. Just the U.S. president. <laughs> so I was going to say the government has to be involved in some way, some way yeah. and it's usually there's some corruption yeah. in some level of the government. The yeah. government's the reason why the scientists are being ignored. And also... <laughs> Quite often, the government was the one holding the meeting that the scientist is saying, hey, something's wrong at. And then they turn around and ignore it anyway. Yeah. The president's got to make a tough decision. Yeah. <laughs> That's so what it true, is. though. They're just like, they're like all panicky and sweaty, like in the Oval Office. And they're just like walking around pacing. And I'm like, it's in every, every disaster movie. Always the U.S. president. I want... A disaster movie where something catastrophic happens, but there's like some people living out in the woods and they, they, they're just like living off the land. They don't know anything. They don't know what's going on. And they're like, go to go to town and the town's gone. And they're like, what's happening? So it's just them trying to figure out what happened and why like everything's in ruins. Cause I think that'd be fun. No political nonsense or nothing. You're just yeah. piecing it all together. I would say, after viewing a bunch of disaster movies, another big trope is going to be an estranged like relationship. Estranged is oh, that the word? Yeah, mm-hmm. it, and it's you. Yeah, yeah, it's usually between either a father and a daughter, yep, or like two uh, ex lovers. Yeah, and it's always yeah. like, yeah, it's yeah. super obvious that it's going to happen. You're right. Yeah, it's all. It's always yeah, either lovers or direct family. Why can't it be like best friends? It's like the. That's my best friend, though. Oftentimes, when the best friend is involved, it's because the best friend married the ex-spouse. So there's the sense of betrayal. Whoever is the new lover for the ex is also a bastard. Yes. Or or a goofy idiot. Who, like, winds up having more courage than you thought (laughs) they would. He just cares about the kids. He's just trying to be a stepdad. Don't they usually get sacrificed, too? Because they're like, I'm just here to make sure that you two can get back together at the end. Yeah, either they do or the main character guy does because he realizes this guy actually cares about the family. Yeah. One of them sacrifices themselves for the sake of the family. I know that this should be an obvious trope, but there's usually a lot of destruction. Like usually a city just getting fully wrecked. Yeah, uh, that's the first sign that yeah. the scientist was right. <laughs> that's the first sign. Not all the science, but. Yeah, a city city gets destroyed, and the government's like, we don't understand what's happening. Call the scientists back and explain it to us. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. So under like the scientist being ignored, I'm going to put down destruction leads to people saying the scientist was right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 They're like, yeah. you were you were right this whole time, but the president's still unwilling to make that tough yeah. choice <laughs> because what if it, he's wrong? Is this? Yeah. Does this lead to the scientist also dying? Because I feel like there's always a scientist that dies, and then they have to find like another scientist. There's always a scientist who dies in pursuit of the truth he holds out to yeah. the last minute to get as much data as he can i would also say it's a it's a minor character yes uh-huh. but it's uh-huh. it's a scientist that is assisting the main scientist so they're they're picking up go. some sort of reading or they're driving a vehicle or they are uh-huh. they're helping out the main character that or the main scientist character and they're just a sub character and the sub character gets killed in the disaster somehow <laughs> you're very right. i would also say death Death is pretty big, you know, trope for these. I'm trying to think if I've ever seen a natural disaster movie that didn't have death. Yeah, I, I'm just saying. You know, it's a good. I don't know. Did Veggie Tales make any natural disaster? <laughs> <laughs> I like. Uh, I like the idea that if Veggie Tales did do a natural disaster movie, that the carnage would just turn into like salsa. <laughs> I had a much worse joke, but <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> So stupid. Oh, I'm so sorry. I would say that there is a shot of a group of people running away from the disaster. Yeah, yeah. There we always, go. Yeah, trying always, to outrun. Yeah, trying to something outrun something that is like you just you're gonna get swept up in it. You're gonna die. So for the death, I guess we'll put group of people dying running away when they can't. There's usually a moment that's like I don't want to say the calm before the storm because it's something is already terrible has happened, but they're just it's like taking a moment of rest right before more bad stuff is going to happen. And they're just starting to reflect on. I'm sorry. I should have listened to you. I should have. You know what I mean? Like they're they're reflecting on their feelings and and being like, oh, I should have told you more. I'm sorry. I got you in this situation. Blah, yeah. Blah, blah. And it's usually at like the beginning of the third act. Yeah. It's like right. Right when the climax is about to happen, they always make like restitution with each other. They come to some agreement between them. I'd say that's probably Mm -hmm. the estranged relationship. Yeah, it's Um, yeah for uh, sure. Yeah. Side note: Did anyone ever see? Oh shoot! Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! I think it's with Sylvester Stallone, and they're in a tunnel. Oh yeah, daylight! Come on, daylight! Is that is that is Daylight considered that's a disaster like, movie. Like disaster light. Yeah. yeah. Like disaster uh, light. industrial disaster. It's, yeah, yeah. It's diet dis- it's diet, diet disaster. Disaster. <laughs> disaster light. Okay. All right. Well, in that case, maybe another trope is there is going to be your standard Hollywood action hero rescuer. Oh yeah. Like somebody that that is either beefy or that mm. is, you know, a scientist that is just unnaturally like fit. Or somebody that is trying to help out other people, and they are they are very much the stereotypical "I am the rescue person." I I feel like true, but there's usually like the there's two people. It's usually the beefy all American hero, and then like the nerdy scientist adjacent person who might not be a scientist, but they somehow have the know how to help survive in a way that the beefy hero couldn't ever possibly so think beefy of. hero so, beefy hero and sidekick and yeah nerdy sidekick yeah nerdy sidekick at some point while like the disaster has started or or it's about to start they realize 
oh my gosh, this is actually going to be way, way worse than we ever could have predicted. Oh, yeah. They're like, we knew it was going to be bad, but this, this is so much worse. worse. This is so yeah. much worse than it this ever could be. <laughs> it's going to be either way worse or happen far sooner than anyone could have imagined. Uh, yep. I would say that there's probably at least one child in the movie. Who has yeah. to show you just how. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, wait, either a child has to be rescued or someone picks up the child and runs and the child drops their stuffed animal. <laughs> yeah, child involved <laughs> in the movie. Yes. Child drops toy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't come with that earlier. Toy. Uh, and of course, the camera has to focus in on that toy yeah. for a second. And it's very dramatic. And the dramatic adult's running like away the with the child, child and the child's reaching out their arm to the stuffed animal. Yeah. And screaming about that and not the giant like wave of water or volcano or something or coming out. Or like, if daddy. the child dies, yeah, exactly. they don't actually show that the child is dead. They just show the stuffed animal in the rubble. Mm. Oh, yeah. uh, yep. Floating in a pool a la Breaking Bad. Side note. Side note. I have two episodes left of Breaking Bad. So Oh, okay. Everybody dies because they all decide to take some crack. Well, you can you can watch those last two episodes of Breaking Bad, and then you can watch El Camino on Netflix, and then you can watch Better Call Saul. So, child drops toy. I I feel like this is more in like modern day disaster movies where there's a lot of CG. There's like always a CG, uh, sorry, a cheesy CG zoom. Where it like zooms in out of focus and then focuses in about like what the disasters happen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's yeah. it's obviously the entire shot is yeah. CG, but they for some reason zoom the camera way into something happening. I totally get that. Yeah, feel like and maybe I'm misremembering it, but there's always a moment in the movie where like their clothes are are ruined and tattered, and they somehow find new clothes that they can change into. <laughs> And I know that that's like a very small. Well, it's yeah. not. Good. It's never okay. their clothing. Like, they yeah, find but it somehow it. fits yeah. them perfectly. Exactly. I would say at the end of the movie, in the rubble, they find some important like item that they lost. They're you like, know, oh, my is. bracelet. Oh, I, it survived. Or this picture book. They either find something that's very precious to them that they lost. Or they find something that survived the wreckage and gives that might not have been theirs, but gives them a sense of hope. Kind of adjacent to that, I find that they do a lot of a lot of times like the final scan over is like way more people survived than you originally thought. I I agree with that one because after watching a bunch of disaster movies recently, I'm like, oh man, everybody died. And then all of a sudden it's like four people died in this natural disaster. And you're like, what? <laughs> Only four? That's impossible. I just, I literally watched like hundreds of them get killed. Yeah. And they're all on the roof with their SOSs. And you're like, all right, calm down. Also, I feel like a good portion of natural disaster tropes tend to be, this is brought on by the folly of man. Like the science scientist is like, Evil they they ignore them, but it's also because it's like, yeah, my science has gone too far. Yeah. It's but it's usually like having to accept that everyone's at fault for it kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I meant like climate ch- change-ish, maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. Now that I think about it, maybe I am wrong. You know what? It it's really only that's the climate one. I, I think it's more, it may be, you know, the folly of man, but it, I think it's man's hubris in believing that we are above these disasters and these disasters mm. bring us back down to a level. True. That sort of thing. 
I think that there's always an old person that's going to sacrifice themselves to save younger people. Mm -hmm. Has everyone here seen Dante's Peak? Uh-huh. Yeah, I've seen it. I think everybody else, yeah. The when the grandma sacrifices herself in the like hot boiling water or whatever. That scene gave me nightmares for years. Cause I always imagined that I was the one that had to sacrifice myself. Oh uh, no, thank you. <laughs> well, I'm not getting in a boat with Amy. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I won't sacrifice myself. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We we all have to have equal parts of being able to sacrifice ourselves. I sacrifice you guys for me. Woo! <laughs> I feel like there's always going to be a person, and this could be followed up with the you know scientist being ignored, but someone who's saying, "What are you crazy?" And then that for a person follows it up like, "No, I just have to do this," or something. That. or some cheesy joke <laughs> or something like, really? cheesy like no I'm like, a scientist yeah exactly exactly or or are you saying like don't go in there it, you know it's too yes, risky like those yes, that sort of yeah. thing yeah okay but it's like I have to do this for the sake of for the sake of Los Angeles and you're like you know actually it's fine you really Los don't. Angeles was it's destroyed good. four shots ago but you know what I'll do it <laughs> now I do think a lot of these tropes can also translate to the other subcategories of disaster movies there'll be more specific ones like especially for the industrial disasters it'll be like somebody usually wanting to finish work on time or not want to test the safety of things like that can be a trope for industrial but i feel like a lot of these could work for all of the categories that we have yeah, and I think that's that's the idea of a trope too, right? Is is that no. the idea it's so broad that it applies to so many different movies and they all have the exact same thing in there. I'd say under the government involvement, there should probably be a trigger happy military person. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Somebody who's wants it to just everything to blow up, you know. Now we do have all of these tropes. But like, what is it about natural disaster movies or disaster movies in general that why are they so appealing? Why do they keep getting made? If it's kind of like, yeah, you've seen one, you've sort of seen them all because they have all of these classic tropes. Then why are we still so interested in all of them? I think it's the idea of surviving something so devastating. We have so much doom and gloom in our, our world today that the idea of something horrible happening and we can get through to the other side is a really positive feeling. I think it also goes along with the idea that we make ourselves smarter than the characters that are written to be dumb. Yep. Mm-hmm. So when we see somebody, you know, running away from from lava, but they're running in a straight line and they could just turn to the right and run and they wouldn't get it, like that sort of thing, we think to ourselves, why don't you just turn? Don't run directly for it. Like in Prometheus when the giant that. ship is running and she's just running straight, you know, and everybody goes, just turn, just turn. It's a way of, I believe, and I don't know if this is actually the case, but the writers and the directors going, you're smarter than this person. And then you feel better because you're like, oh, I know what I would do in this situation. And I think that specifically in more of the like biological zombie movies, I think that's a a reason why a lot of people really like the idea of a zombie apocalypse because they all have their plans of exactly what's going to happen, but nobody will survive. Like you're going to die. Your plans are stupid. Well, with with zombie (laughs) ones, though, there's another level to it. And that's the idea of getting away with lawlessness. Yeah. Making your own rules about how the world's going to work. And if people don't like it, 
you can do whatever you want because who's going to stop you? And I think, sadly, that appeals to a lot of people. I think disaster movies might have that sort of same mentality in a lot of them. Not all of them. Yeah, it depends upon how big the disaster is, Mm -hmm. I guess, right? If you have a global scale, then you probably will see more like reckless behavior and lawlessness. But if it's just a town, you know, it's not the same level for everybody. Mm -hmm. Most people just want to get out of the town to avoid the disaster. There's always one person or a small group of people who decide, I'm not leaving. I don't care what happens. Either it's a, this is my home and I'm not, you can't make me go. Or it's a, the end of the world's coming, I'm going to have a party kind of attitude. I was going to mention that. Yeah. It's either those type of people or the people who go out into the danger knowing that they definitely shouldn't. Like everyone else saying, hey, look, you shouldn't do this. They do it anyway. I think for me... I like disaster movies because the idea of seeing something so terrifying and horrific in real life is incredibly terrifying and horrific, but it is a fun way to be able to experience these, even if it's totally fake and totally outlandish, to experience these incredibly life-altering events that could happen to people. Day after tomorrow, for instance, I also really like the idea of like, yeah, the what ifs. What if this happened? What would that look like? And the idea of like New York completely flooding, super cool concept. And so I think for me, that's also kind of why disaster movies are interesting. You get to be up close and personal and it's all about the what ifs. Yeah, I I like them just because I like seeing ridiculous destruction, something over the top. Over the top always is very, very fun for me. Especially when it's also bad. There's there's that pleasure you get out of watching something that's really bad and over the top at the same time. My best example of that for disaster movie would probably be The Core. Yeah, I had that on my list. I think. Yeah, The Core, I think, is like the worst bad over the top disaster movie, followed probably by Armageddon. But there's something fun about that because you know that it's ridiculous and then you never know what's going to happen. So it's kind of like a surprise, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Armageddon had a positive playfulness to it, whereas the core just had this, you're just holding your breath and you don't even realize it because there's so much anxiety with what's happening. Yeah, um, and they, they play it so serious. Yeah, that it's thing like, and the it's graphics. So not and everything's yeah. so terrible. It's great. Liam, what were you going to say? I was going to say, Armageddon ain't even, even bad, bro. Like, what is wrong with that movie? There's nothing wrong with it. I love Armageddon. It's, it's a so good, good movie. It's one of my favorite not, natural disasters. not amazing. It's not great. But, like, on its own, it's not bad. It's like doesn't have bad acting. It has a great is, like, cast. Passable. It has a solid, like, yes. a believable plot. Lots yeah. of action and explosions, yeah. but they all have a reason. It's not just, like, explosions for the sake of explosions. I, th- I think the thing that makes Armageddon and a lot of Michael Bay films is he does bring a, a level of seriousness mm-hmm. to it, which I appreciate. I, I like the fact that he says this world is serious and then a bunch of ridiculous stuff that would never happen is actually in there. And all the characters are really invested in yeah. that world as opposed to the audience where you realize that there's like that disconnect that you have. Mm-hmm. And Armageddon's not a bad movie. It's not a good movie. It's it's a fun one. I, I think the best, and I believe I probably already told this in the podcast. I heard a story that oh yeah, 
that Ben Affleck asked Michael Bay, he's like, why, why are they training all these drillers to be astronauts instead of just training astronauts to drill? And Michael Bay told him to <laughs> shut up. So, yeah, because you know, and that that's the, the yeah. point. And that's what makes Armageddon special is because they take a ridiculous concept that would never happen and make it into something yeah. great. And that's kind of why I like stuff like that. You know, it's just. But they pull it off in a believable way. Like there's so much going on with that film that you kind of ignore the basic premise. You just accept it and you want to know what's going to happen. Yeah. Now, those of you listening probably don't know this, but normally when kids watch movies at a young age, it's usually cartoons, it's Disney, it's Pixar. But we had one soul here in residence that chose disaster movies as their go-to children movies. Liam, would you like to talk about your love of disaster movies and and what kind were, what kinds were your favorite? No, not really. But like, um, the I don't know disaster movies. They're really not that good. I don't really love them. I don't. They're not that good. As a child, I don't, I don't like what? as a child, they were good because it's all a bunch of cars just like get destroyed. And I was like, dang, now that is pretty cool. But now I'm just like, Dude, these movies are terrible. Who came up with these plots and how did it actually get onto the screen? I want to actually go back and watch some of the old disaster movies because I remember some of them. I feel like one of them, like Dante's Peak, I feel like that would still hold up. But I haven't it seen does. it in so long that I don't really remember. That's There's a little like, of it with the graphics. Something like Volcano or Twister. Like, I know, damn well, that's not holding up. Those are probably Twister some terrible movies. Does Twister. not hold yeah. up. It is aged very poorly. <laughs> oh, now I want to watch it. I think most disaster movies age really poorly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's but that's kind of the fun of them. Yeah, I bet uh, Dante's Peak is probably not a good movie. You know, I have not watched it in a long time, and I bet if I went back, I, w- I would be like, I'd have a little nostalgia trip, and then the rest of me would be like, okay, that's stupid. Come on. Nah, we'll see. We'll see eventually. Liam and I were actually talking about Dante's Peak like maybe a week ago. I actually read the book and it was really good. It held up so I, much. I just, love how the, sorry, I just love how the trope that is being put on there right now is ages poorly. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's a disaster movie trope. <laughs> You're not wrong. So how's the book compared to the movie? Oh, the book for Dante Speak is really good. I felt like it, the thing that really bothered me in the movie it was at the end it kind of jumped from the disaster to you know the u.s geological team figuring out wait that light is blinking someone's still there how long has that light been blinking and then all of a sudden it jumps back to now they're rescuing them and it, it it's very jumpy it doesn't have that smooth transition it feels like wait a minute did, did some scenes get cut here whereas in the book it actually the whole thing flows very well And I think part of what makes a disaster story great is being able to see the disaster unfold in front of you. But reading this book, you still had some anxiety as as the author Hmm. is describing what is happening. And then having seen the movie, of course, like I can picture it and that only adds to the anxiety. It was really good. I I recommend it. It's very, very close. The book and the movie are, are very, very close to each other. So. I have not read a disaster book, but I would. I wonder how well it could translate, or are a lot of these based upon books and then they become films? That I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting because I know that when I've read horror books before, there's not, I mean, I get scared with jump scares, 
but there's not really a jump scare in a book. It kind of just describes this creepy situation that you're in. And then it's like, and then there was the bad guy. And you're like, okay. So for me, I don't think personally like horror films. And I, I was reading like a horror monster where like a giant worm was living in under the subway tunnels. Anyways, long story. Well, because like people were disappearing and they're trying to figure out what it was. And then like the big reveal was like he went into this old subway tunnel and then surprise, it was this giant worm that he was facing. And it just was like, oh, okay. So for me, horror into books doesn't translate as well because it doesn't seem as seamless. So for me, I feel like when reading about a disaster story, it wouldn't translate as well, kind of like that horror film. Or, yeah, kind of like that horror book did. But you're saying that it was actually a pretty good translation of like a disaster? It, it really did. Now, for me, I had already seen the movie when I read the book. So mm. I could already visualize it. And I already had that pre-built in anxiety from some of those scenes. Um, so I can't really say with any kind of authority whether it's effective yeah. without having seen it on screen. But now I want to go find a book and know. I, th I think one of the most appealing parts of uh, disaster movies to me is the the visuals, obviously. Which when you when you watch it, you get to see buildings get destroyed and floods and hurricanes and stuff get torn up, like stuff stuff you won't see in real life unless you're actually in a disaster. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the appeal of it, and I think that's the strength. I would imagine that in a book, they probably spend less time describing the actual visuals of it. And spend more time building up the anticipation of the thing coming. And they also spend a little more time on the relationships that the characters have with each other. So you become more invested in the characters. That is one thing that I do hate about disaster movies. And I'll, I'll say that in general. I don't like most relationships in disaster movies. I think it, it doesn't work and it clogs it mm -hmm. up. There's so much extra and, and this is a standard thing for a lot of disaster movies is to have 20 different plot lines and each of them are one small little redemption arc that you have to do with each individual person and it takes away from the film and there's plenty of disaster movies that obviously do this and i think when you go into the monster genre especially if you're thinking about stuff like godzilla the, the whole appeal of godzilla to me is to watch a monster like attack a city and humans to not be able to stop it until the very end for some reason. But especially the newer Godzilla movies that have come out, it's not that it is all about the human interaction with each other. And you know, the, the father daughter or father son relationships and how that's estranged. And then at the very end of the movie, you get a little bit of Godzilla. And yeah, I think it's the same thing with a lot of disaster movies. They spend most of the time building up that asteroid about to hit or the tidal wave that's coming in or the hurricane and not enough time actually showing what that destruction would be and how people overcome the struggles in that destruction. Do they think that that humor interaction is what people want and what has people coming back? Or is it to kind of humanize all of this terrifying destruction? If I had to guess... It's probably a way of Hollywood trying to bring in as broad of an audience as possible. Oh, yeah. Mm. And so they're, they're trying to say, look, yeah, it's a disaster film, but, 
you know, your mom will like it because there's this relationship trauma here and your dad will like it because there's explosions and the child will like it because there's some kind of monster making those explosions happen. And you'll like it because there's a little bit of everything. There's a little bit of suspense and anticipation. And, you know, it's it doesn't always work. I think when you try and brush too broad of a, a stroke, then it, it fades your paint overall. Mm-hmm. If that is a stupid analogy, whereas if you take your time, you're saying, I want to make a disaster film and I want to have a lot of disaster in it. And I will make the relationships around that disaster and the struggles within it. And that brings better film in general, as opposed to just saying, hey, you know, here's a bunch of characters. And then also there's this disaster that's going on. I can't remember what it is, but there's a movie. It's an animated movie where the scientist creates this machine and it starts to like cloudy with chance of meatballs. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's technically a disaster movie. You've not seen it. It's very good. It's a book? Yeah, it's, it was a book like 20 years before it was ever uh, put on the screen. We're going to look it up and every disaster movie is going to be a book. <laughs> We're like, what the heck? Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, that was like required reading when I was in school. What? Like elementary school. I don't think I knew how to read in elementary school, so I couldn't tell you if it was God, that. I still don't know how to read. <laughs> Guys. Mike, Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs is on Netflix. I think I know what your disaster movie is. Well, <laughs> I guess we can all figure out. I don't really want to watch Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs. I have the one disaster movie I've not seen, I believe is called Contagion. And I so think that is on one of the streaming services we have. But we don't have to discuss this right now. Yeah. We can discuss it because otherwise it's going to be a long conversation. Yeah, I think that we'll off podcast, we'll all discuss what disaster movies we haven't seen. We'll try and figure out ones that other people would really like or not mm-hmm. like, or just we want to hear their opinion on it in general. And uh, next week, we'll, we'll not only provide a review, but we'll see how many of these tropes actually showed up in the movie. Any thoughts? Overall, I think disaster movies are fun. I, if there's another movie that comes out, I would totally be down to watch it because I just think that they're so ridiculous. They're so fun. And I like to see different interpretations of like what they consider the disaster and how they portray that disaster. The intersection of science and entertainment. And when you enjoy both yeah. of those things, having them come together is just amazing. Can, can we add another trope that there is some form of terrible science in there oh, as well? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, junk science. Junk science. <laughs> so for, you for your like geological or astrophysical disasters you also have like of course the government doesn't believe the scientists but then later on they they're blaming the science scientists or scientific community for not knowing sooner that that it would happen or well you <laughs> said it would happen in xyz time frame and now it's happening sooner how how come oh, you didn't yeah. know it, or like it, it's going faster than they anticipated so if they thought oh yeah we have three weeks before this happens now it's like two, three days and they're like but you said oh, we have three yeah. weeks and, and it's, it's like, always it's the scientist's time, fault yeah 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 it's like well if you'd listened to them in the first place you would have been better prepared we didn't want to listen to them until we knew and now we hate them <laughs> <laughs> yeah Pretty much. We've got our list. So as we're going through this week, as we're watching these disaster movies that we're going to watch, um, we should all go through these tropes and see if they, which ones they check off and if they have any other tropes that you can think of to add to the list, like add them to the list. And then we'll all kind of talk about <laughs> all the disasters that we watched next, next episode. Oh, it's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be 
Is there anything else anyone wanted to say? Did you want to say your thing before we go? Oh, yeah. No, actually, it, uh, this this doesn't have to be a long conversation, but there was thing I, I kind of wanted to make an amendment to my viewpoint last week about good art, bad artists, because I've been thinking about it all week long. And, you know, this could be a really quick discussion if you want. There's one thing that we never brought up, and that is how a single artist could ruin something for all the other artists involved. So, for instance, I, I brought up a specific movie, and I'll, I'll let everybody know what it is, because my viewpoint has changed on this. The movie movie was Chinatown, and it is a like classic film noir movie, and it is, it is a really good film, but its director is the main problem with there. Um, it's Roman Polanski is the director. And he is a, a, a pretty disgusting human being who has been accused and convicted of sexual assault, especially on minors. And, you know, it's terrible. And if I said that that, that film is now no longer able to be viewed because of Roman Polanski, it also detracts from the people that were in that film and the people who worked on that film and the people who you know put the film together. So the actions of one person may override a bunch of people in certain circumstances. But I think the best way to approach something like that in the future is to take a look and see how much is this bad artist involved in this piece of art? Do I want to give it credence? Do I want to show somebody this piece of art knowing that this bad artist might actually profit off of it or or gain additional powers? And it's it's just a it's a hard thing to to think about and to have that sort of moral stance on. And I think you should be at least a little bit flexible and, and figure out what you are comfortable with because their art that bad artist can affect the good artists that were involved in the product i was thinking about that last week as well and when people boycott something that is currently ongoing typically like a tv show or networks decide to just drop a show because one of the actors has been accused of something it affects the livelihoods not just of you know all the actors on it which they're probably okay but all the people involved in that production like you you have hundreds and thousands of people depending upon the production who can be affected by the actions of one individual and i think a great way for production companies to deal with a situation like that is writing the person off the show like mm -hmm. a, a great example would be house of cards right like for the last season boom he was gone and they just they killed him off. You didn't even see them kill him off. It's just they started the next season. Boom, he's already dead. Completely changed the writing of the show. So they could at least wrap it up and the people were able to still have a paycheck for that season. Yeah. And th that actually kind of ties right into like Kevin Spacey specifically ties into disaster movies because I just watched Outbreak mm. and it's I love that film. It's so good. And if I what should I no longer recommend Outbreak because Kevin Spacey was in it, even though like Dennis Hoffman was in it mm -hmm. and, you know, Morgan Freeman yeah. and, you know, there's, there's, uh, and, uh, Renee God, Russo. Name? I can't think of it right now. Anyway, Renee Russo. Yeah. They're, they're all like really good in the film, but should I now tell people you can't watch this because Kevin Spacey was in it? Yeah. I think as long as we know ahead of time, like, yeah, okay. Kevin Spacey has very credible allegations against him and we should not give him any credence. We should not support him. Getting, getting, or having at least that warning ahead of time, I think, is a really good thing to, to letting think about. let people know. Hey, this is a great work of art, but sidebar: 
this person was involved with it and then each person can make the decision for themselves because they've been informed yeah i actually really like the idea of being more public with hey this shitty person was in it so you make your decision it's not up to us in the case of netflix with house of cards right kevin spacey went from being the first actor in the credits he's now the last actor in the credits they still have to give him credits because that was part of the contract but he's not being promoted in any way shape or form yeah anyway that's all i had let's go watch some disaster movies okay well i think that that wraps it up mike thank you yes we're all gonna go watch this disaster movie we've got our little trope list that we can check off to see what's going on and we'll we'll report back to all of you next week thank you for listening what are some of your disaster movies are there disaster categories that we missed like what would you consider a disaster movie or a subgenre of disaster disaster adjacent if you will let us know you can find us on twitter instagram youtube and reddit we are 1l2n productions or if you want to visit our website we are 1l2n productions.com and if you like what we're doing you want to help support us over on patreon that'd be much appreciated we get some mahoney to you know give you guys some good content and make sure that we can continue doing this podcast and giving you cool creative prompts and such and whatnot and the last word of the day is gonna go to (gasps) me it's rigged i know blah 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 amy take it away so i have kind of a cool idea for a story and the idea is what if when after you die and you had like a lot of debt you weren't allowed to cross over and you were a ghost that had a bunch of debt and you had to pay off your debt as you were a ghost before you're allowed to cross over but like you'd only get a few cents here or there so like you get a few cents for like making a cupboard blowing the breeze you know what i mean so you got to do a lot of haunting in order to to make sure that your debt goes away because it's not just going to go away by itself and so i thought that that would be an interesting concept anyone want to write it (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.